Hey everybody, welcome to episode 56 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto. What's going on? Not much. What's up with you? You know, just hanging out. Cool. Also here with Jimmy DeResta. What's up with you? Hello. Hello, everybody. I'm good. I'm really good. I'm happy to be back in New York. Yeah, everybody's finally home. We all made it back safely from Chicago. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we were in Chicago this past weekend, and we had an awesome meetup. Yes. At a really cool place called the Emporium. It was like they call it a barcade. It's an arcade slash bar. Met some that awesome place was people. Huge. It was. It was very cool. Um, we had a good time. Did you guys have a good time with that? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. it was great. It was like it seemed like I don't know. Did you guys keep at all a vague head count? It seemed about. 25 people came out, 20, maybe 25 people with their friends. Yeah, I have no idea. I didn't really Of varying interests. <laughs> the one guy had his friend sitting like all the way in the corner. I was like, who's that? He goes, oh, that's my friend. He came with me. I guess he doesn't watch YouTube. He goes, no, no, he, never, he doesn't know who you are. <laughs> but it was funny. He was just like sitting in the corner like his bodyguard. He can still talk to us. <laughs> I said, have him come over and hang out. He goes, no, no, he doesn't care. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he doesn't want to. He doesn't like people. Yeah. No, it was some really cool dudes that came out. And some guys that we know from the Facebook page were there. So it was nice to get to actually... Meet somebody whose meme we've been looking at. Yes. Yeah. So it's like they never look the same. So you always got to like figure out who's who. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was awesome. And uh, Taylor was with me and she got to hook up with somebody. She made friends with this girl that, that works at the Italy, the, the Italian place there. So it was cool. Yeah. It was really cool. It was good. It was awesome to see that many people, you know, kind of come. And it was a cold night. So to see that many people come out to like a place just to hang out was. And it was last awesome. second. We announced it, what, maybe the day before, two days before? A couple days yeah, before, yeah. yeah. I honestly thought there was going to be like two people in us. I really <laughs> didn't expect it. <laughs> really, because, you know, you know, it's random. Yeah. But you get to realize like Chicago is a huge hub of, you know, a lot of the people that we, yeah. we talk to on a regular basis. It was interesting, too, because like that, I mean, I don't know anything about the different areas of Chicago, but where we were, I think there was one guy who actually lived near that area almost everybody else had driven like an hour or two hours or maybe even more from different parts yeah. of chicago or outside but you know milwaukee and yeah. yeah yeah it was just kind of crazy like how spread out they all were and a lot of them had, had no idea that there were other makers right there you know within proximity oh, yeah. so it was cool to see them like kind of yeah. catch up with each that's, other that's you know and i keep saying it this thing that i have fantasies about putting together that's exactly why because when when we have a, a meetup our friends and fans that come out to meet us meet each other mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like oh wow oh you live here oh what do you do oh you do water jet cutting oh i do you know edm cutting mm-hmm. and, and like these guys were having conversations about things in front of me it was over my head but i was learning so it was it was really it was really fun it's always fun it's always it's always something i learn when i get it together here's a little trick that maybe not everybody knows about but you can go into facebook and in the search bar it's kind of like a smart search you can say show me people in toledo who like woodworking and it'll just it'll just give you a list of, of people who have woodworking as one of their likes or whatever interests that you're you're interested huh. in. It's a great way to That's find. That's great. I didn't know yeah. that. Awesome. When are we When are we getting together again? Uh, Is that maker I don't know. fair. I guess maker. What are we fair. doing? Um, but so Dave, you're not coming to. I'm not that thing that Bob you you promoted today. Yeah. So in February in Charleston, South Carolina, February twentieth, I believe. Um, Jimmy and I are going to be on a panel with Ben Heck, who's a really good electronics guy on YouTube, um, and Izzy Swan, and I think mm-hmm. some other people. But we're going to be on a panel there talking. It's The event is called Protocon, and I think right now it's like $10 to get in. It's just, yeah, it's, I think it's only from like 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You know, it's kind of a morning uh, thing all about prototyping mm-hmm. and inventing and stuff. Don't really know mm-hmm. a whole lot about it, but we will be there. Hanging out. So. Izzy invited us and we both said yes right away. Yeah. Bob and I got to witness Jimmy teach a little session on inventing and it was pretty cool and eye-opening. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was a, it was a bit stressful because the, the sound just had me so distracted and had a lot of blank stares. And it's <laughs> funny, the, the one guy that I was trying to make smile the most, he and I, right after the session, we had a really great conversation and I was like, I go, dude, you were staring at me like I wasn't even there. I go, I thought like you were going to come over to me and insult me. <laughs> he just goes... <laughs> Oh, no, I was just taking it all in. But the look on his face was like, you're a moron. I'm not interested in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But uh, he had me a little stressed out. But at the end, actually, he and I became friends on other topics. So it was really funny. You just never know. Yeah. And, and the room I was in was so noisy. So it was a little bit distracting. So for so. nobody really knows what we're talking about here. We were all yep. at this thing uh, called Ord Camp in Chicago. And it's an invitation only thing. So we all ended up there with a whole bunch of other people, some of which we knew, some we didn't. 
And uh, there were a bunch of talks, and it was the talks were all given by the attendees. Jimmy was one of those mm. people. So yeah, anybody can volunteer to talk, and yeah. it was it was great. And to be perfectly honest, I said, "There's no way I'm going to talk." And then whenever I get that little th- feeling inside that is like, you know, you should be doing this, Jimmy. You know, I have like <laughs> my own computer on board. It's like you know, you should at least try this. So I tried it. I did it. I mean, I need to always keep brushing up my public speaking skills mm-hmm. and. That definitely was a stressful one. Yeah. But for me, anyway, I mean, you guys seem to get stuff out of it. And then I got a few questions after after the fact. So that means people were engaged, although I just didn't feel it because there was so much distraction. Yeah, I think but, if the room had been quieter, you know, if you can get people to really focus, um, which was hard for them in that space, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably would have felt different to you. But it was good. And there were a lot of different talks that were really good. I listened to one on how a diaper was made or how diapers work. <laughs> by um, our friend Bill Hammock, the engineer guy on YouTube. If you guys, I've I talked love about that him, guy. talked about yeah. him before. But if you haven't seen his videos, go watch them. But he brought. He has a almost one year old boy, so he brought diapers and uh, explained, you know, the chemical properties of diapers, and it was fascinating. Not just because I'm a dad, but because it's crazy no, how much engineering Bill could goes make into anything it. interesting. Yeah. He could make even like last night. So I started brushing up on Bill's videos last night. And I, you know, I wrote him a note through one of his his comment uh, threads just to say it was great to meet you. And uh, so I started watching one video after another, one after another, after another. And Taylor's like, "Wow, this guy is amazing!" And she's like, listening about injection molding, all the stuff she could care less about. But he is just such a well spoken, interesting guy, and interested. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Like when you hang out and talk to him, he's like totally curious about what it is you're talking about, as well as listening and and anything is a topic with him. Anything as far as engineering or how it's made. He's, he really is a is a is a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So and his his videos are so well made. I know he doesn't make them alone. He makes them with a small production team. Yeah, and they do a, an incredibly good job. Simple and and elegant. Yeah, yeah, they are very well made, and they they spend a lot of time like with the intention of making them really well made, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, have you guys had any time to do anything since we've been back? I know Jimmy, you just got back, right? I got back yesterday, and on the way home, I drove. Uh, from Chicago through, uh, actually stopped in South Bend, Indiana to get, uh, Taylor always likes to source out a, a food co-op. So we went to a food co-op in South Bend, got some snacks for the ride and drove straight to my house in upstate New York to make sure no one's stealing the copper pipes since we haven't <laughs> been there in a month. And then from there, drove to Albany Steel, bought some steel from Albany. And then it's, I'm working on like a little lamp table today. I'm not sure I'm going to publicize the pictures of it because it's one of those jobs where somebody gave me a picture out of a magazine and said, can you make me this because we can't afford to buy the real one? And so I said, all right, so I'm making it. Like I said, I probably won't publicize it. And uh, so I'm making this little lamp table today. um, And that's it. So I am making this lamp table. And uh, I came back and Willie had taken the time while we were gone and completely cleaned up certain sections of the shop which means I have like 600 boxes to go through now. He's <laughs> just taking everything <laughs> off the of shelves and put them in boxes. So I got to condense the boxes and throw things away. But everything's neat and semi-dust free for the next couple of days. <laughs> We're going to revisit yeah. that topic when it comes time for our picks. So mm, a right little on. teaser. Nice. Right. What about you, David? You got anything done since you've been back? Uh, yeah, so we, we we came back on Sunday, and then on Tuesday I put out a video on making a small little box with mitered corners and splines, and it has a hidden compartment and some sliding trays and exotic wood. I think it came out came out pretty darn good. I saw Lynn from Darwin Ovar put out almost the same box uh, <laughs> the same day. Oh, wow. I don't know if you guys seen the two videos, but they are built the same way. They both have flocking yeah, and trays in there. Uh, she has a leather handle. I have a hidden compartment. That's basically the only difference between the two boxes. <laughs> well, uh, I saw her pictures. I didn't see your video yet, but I noticed her pictures on Instagram. Yeah. And so she sent me an email, and uh, she's like, it's so weird that we both came out with these boxes, and they're both sponsored by Rockler. She almost used the exact same hinges that I used. It was it was crazy. <laughs> it was like it was not planned at all. But, um, yeah, and hers is, is beautiful. So I, did, I put out that on Tuesday, and then today I shot a video on how to price your work. I um, and uh, it, you'll see it. It should be out by the time by the time you hear this. It's just a quick little edit, some 
um, motion graphics and just me sitting in front of in, fr in front of the camera. So that's what that's what I'm working on. Nice. Um, so by the time this comes out, my shop tour video will be out. Uh, I just put it out for Patreon people today. So I did a 360 shop tour. My goodness. Oh, that was so cool. So we just, awesome. You sent it to us just before. It's, that is really cool yeah. the way that works. You know, I'm sitting there watching and moving my finger around while you're talking and you go, or if you're on a smartphone, you can just move the phone. And the second you said that, I started going like this <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. So and that's cool. why I wrote that tweet to you. It's, I texted back to you. I was like, isn't it incredible the time we live in? Yeah. It's just mind blowing that that works. Jimmy, in uh, in our in our little uh, swag box that we got from the conference, there oh, is yeah. there is this little cardboard thing uh, that you can put your phone in and watch 3D videos in there. So you kind of like turn your head and it just holds the oh, phone. Oh, cool. Yeah. Bob's Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's called that's called Google Cardboard, is that what that is? Yep. yep. Yeah, cuz one of the guys in my uh, uh my uh admin or whatever it's called in my camp was the guy who worked on that, a guy named John. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was the first I'd heard of it. So as I'm watching your video, Bob, I'm like, how much does a 360 camera cost? And I'm like, you know what? I don't need one just to shoot one video. So <laughs> <laughs> But it's really really cool. In the case of, the, of mine, I have uh, I had to get two of them because there's some cameras that are actually like they have two lenses on a single camera. Mine actually is um, two kind of hemispheres, and so you put so, them back to back, you know. So each camera is a half dome, basically. right? Yeah, and so then you have to stitch the image together. It's really interesting. Like um, I got these right before we went to Chicago, and then messed with them a little bit on the trip, but had trouble getting the video to you know like be worthwhile. Just it was just weird. It took a while to get used to. So when I got back, I started really looking at the video workflow, and it's a lot different. I was kind of surprised. I mean, I shouldn't have been. But so you have two cameras that have to be stitched together, and then on each camera, when there's a limit, which this is the case with a lot of cameras, there's a limit to file size. So if you're recording for more than know, five minutes or whatever the time limit is, it's it fills up a four gig file and then starts a new file. So my mm -hmm. shop tour is like 20 minutes long. So on each camera, I had three files, three, you know, movie files. So I had to pull all six of these files to my computer, which takes a while because they're really big. They're 4K cameras. So you have six 4K videos you have to bring down. Then you have to merge all the videos from one camera into a single video. Do that for both cameras. Then you have to put them in and splice them or uh, stitch them into a big single video. And then output that, and that's just to get your raw footage. <laughs> and so at that point, then you then you have to deal with the audio. Then you have to. And actually, because it's three sixty, you actually have to wear pants because people could see below that's your waist. Right. For the first time since mm. I've been doing this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's incredible because you can see the floor and the ceiling and everything. It's like yeah. That's why I'm afraid to do it because everyone's going to be like, "Oh my god, your shop is so messy." <laughs> oh, why Jimmy, you have all that stuff. Yeah, your yeah, that all that is just interest. People want to see that in the 360 <laughs> video because there's just so yeah. much to take in. I wish there was some way to find out like how often people were actually looking at me in the video and what I'm pointing at and how much people are just like looking around because it would be interesting to see. That's probably the future. No, it's, it, I mean, because you can just like wander around the room, I'm definitely just wandering around the room while you're talking and then like, oh yeah, yeah Bob's giving a tour. Let me listen to Bob for a minute and then I just keep wandering around. Yeah. But it, it's a whole different set of problems from a creation standpoint. You know, it's like different video format, of, like the files themselves, different... Um, like when I was thinking about shooting it, I had to think about, well, editing is going to be very different. I can't cut from thing to thing because if someone is turned, you know, like 180 degrees to the left and they're looking at something else and I do a cut, they're going to be looking, they're going to start out looking the wrong direction. So there's a whole different, in my mind at least, uh, like approach to shooting and editing and that type of stuff. So that'll be fun yeah. to explore, I think, over time. It makes a lot of sense. I wonder too... You can't necessarily do a close-up on something, or can you? And that would mean only one section of the video would be close-up? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's really just a matter of, like, you would push something up close to the to the lens, but everything is going to be distorted. So, like, you know, I could not show a straight line in that video if I wanted to. Anything. Yeah. Which doesn't really matter, but it's just an example of, you know, there's, there's some weird limitations or constraints to the format because it, it's just, like, warping the video. It's really funny, too, because... When you, you create the video, you stitch it together, but then it flattens it out. So you have the entire 360 is flattened out as one image, and that's how you edit it in Final Cut. 
And so it's just all like trippy and everything's <laughs> wavy and you can hardly tell what's going on. It's really crazy looking, but also a lot of fun. So we'll see if I can find some more uses for it. Um, I do want to try, you can do some live streaming with them. And so doing live streaming uh, in 360, I think yeah. would be really cool. So somebody could actually watch while I'm working Definitely. and shooting with my normal cameras, you know? Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. <clears throat> But uh, yeah, so that's kind of my newest tool is getting those uh, those new cameras to play with. You know, it'd be great. Like, you, I was thinking, like, where would be a good application for something like that? And like being at like Mardi Gras or or like a crazy like Halloween party or something. You know, something where there's like lots going on everywhere around you that you couldn't mm-hmm. even think to just start pointing at at all. Or even like a news event where you know there's like a lot of people. Uh, you know, maybe a protest or something. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's just interesting, like, what, what the application for that would be, like, for ongoing. You know, imagine the news, you know, like I said, you're at a news event. Or, you know, God forbid, something like 9-11 when there was, like, so many cameras pointing in every direction. Right. Sorry, something fell in the room. But, um, you know, something like that where you could just, like, soak in so much more information. Or even, like, for instance, like, at the Declaration of Independence, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, where we only view we have is on the on the back of the $20 bill. What is that? What is that? The $100 bill? Where do they sign the Declaration of Independence? I don't know. Um, or the Constitution where they're ever, you know, signing. Imagine if you had a 360 camera at an event like that, you could like totally soak in all different aspects, mm. you know, of a period piece. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, in a hundred years from now, they'll have like recreations of that moment in time. It's interesting. Walk through. Because, yeah, you can do the video on this one, but you can also take even higher resolution stills. And so you could do a, a still, like a spherical photo and... I was thinking about that in relation to like, you know, if I shoot home videos or photos of my kids, it's, it's fairly, it's two dimensional, right? You have this, like, it's, I'm capturing what I can see. I'm only getting the reference for the event or for, you know, how everybody's feeling or whatever's going on of what I can physically frame in the camera. And then if you're grabbing, like, I mean, it's exactly what you're saying. You're grabbing the entire surrounding around an event that's personal to you, you're going to have so much more context when you go back to look at it in 10 yeah. years or whatever, you know? You know, like I'm looking around my room, the mail on the table, you know, the the fashion styling of, of, you know, certain things. Like when I look at pictures of my grandmother's house, for instance, in Florida, I see all these like sort of 70s style things that don't exist anymore. Mm. And it's always the most intriguing thing because it's 70s style things in Florida, in Miami. And like, it was such a different point of view than the rest of the United States, it seems. Well, in the future, there won't even be lenses. They're just going to have these devices that measure the light field in the room. And when you then go to look at that on a computer or whatever is in the future, you can put yourself at any place in that room and look around because the light field is measured and not what is captured through a lens on a sensor. At, at, the, at Ord Camp, somebody <laughs> was talking about that. And yeah, at, at Ord Camp, somebody talked about that and it kind of lost me. All, all I could think of, and I, I contributed to the conversation. And that's when everyone's like, who invited that guy? I said, <laughs> I go, well, after like, you know, once the civilization completely fizzles out and there's no more electricity and, you know, we're, we're like, you know, banging coconuts together to try and figure out what to do with them again. When I say we, I'm talking about the human race that exists thousands of years after this one is gone. And they're going to be finding pieces of paper with images on them. And they're going to say, oh, wow, civilization ended in 2005. Because that's going to be like the last printed f- series of photographs. Oh. Just nobody prints photographs anymore. I mean, obviously, I'm being exaggerating the point. But, you know, when we think of shoeboxes of printed pictures from up, you know, from up in our attic, hmm. now all we have are these pieces of hard drives and you know, every hard drive has a different cable or a different voltage to plug into the wall. And, you know, one year later, I don't have any of those parts. I just have the hard drive. I don't have the cables. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, I just write wedding photos on it to put it on the shelf. You know, what do you do with it? To the cloud. Yeah, yeah the cloud. Well, well, the cloud will remember electricity doesn't exist anymore <laughs> in my fantasy world. Don't go yeah. to the cloud. <laughs> remember. <laughs> <laughs> remember there is no electricity. Remember in the fake future it. that... <laughs> Wait, wait, what? No, I think about it. Like everything has to keep connecting to the next generation and the next generation. Unless, of course, we get hit by a meteorite. And then, you know, we live in a nuclear winter for the next five years and everybody dies because it's never sunny again. Hmm. So everybody go print out all your photos. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Your assignment for this week (laughs) is to go print every photo you've ever taken. And make sure it's on archival paper. That's right. 
Yeah. Because Epson pictures are not archival. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about this week? Or are we going to talk about that? <laughs> Let's talk about printing pictures that are archival. The fake future? Let's talk about the fake future. The fake future. Uh, no, Jimmy brought up a, a good point about tools. You want to elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I get a lot of uh, emails and contacts and tweets and text messages from friends and people. They want to buy tools. And they say, should I buy this tool for this many hundreds of dollars? Or should I buy one of those for that many hundreds of dollars? Or... And my first standard answer is always go to Craigslist and find something used. I know we probably talked about this, but we were going to try and expand on it a little bit more. Um, I say go to Craigslist and look for deals where you could buy like a whole shop. And of course, that is predicated on everyone's individual budget and, and available space. You can't always buy a full shop. But a lot of times, people are getting rid of entire shops for whatever their personal reasons are. Maybe they're moving and they don't want to take it with them. Maybe they've changed their careers. Maybe the shop belonged to grandpa and hasn't been used in so many years. And you go there and you, you could get group discounts on machines that would would be completely like you wouldn't never in a million years expect to get a table saw for $100 because you're buying it with a drill press and a chop saw. You know, But yeah. the guy just wants them out or the woman just wants them out. So I think it's really important that that we all start looking online and, and asking each other. I always say, ask your friends, ask your girlfriend's family or, you know, your cousin's family. Or just ask around and say, hey, does anybody have any tools? And this goes back to what I've always said, you know, my pay it forward concept of uh, any of us have extra tools, give them away to people in need. And uh, I still, I'm going to be moving around some stuff. I'm certainly going to have some extra stuff in the next, uh, in the near future to give away. But I'm kind of doing, I want to do like a call to arms of everybody ask in their families if there's any tools that are available for free and just literally give them to somebody that wants to learn how to make something. I mean, obviously, you know, logistics, shipping and all that other stuff could be paid for or not be paid for or whatever. But I think the idea of everyone just giving each other tools is is a great idea and it enables people and it gets them out of that hump where, you know, I only have this, this and this. If I had this and this, I could make that. And then, you know, if you just ask around, you end up with more than you ask, more than you needed. You know, you end up with more than you bargained for. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, free or cheap. Uh, to add on to, and it's also great, I, I try to give away tools as much as I can. Uh, I've given, just recently, um, I guess I'm tooting my own horn here, but recently <laughs> I've, <laughs> given, <laughs> I've given my father-in-law uh, a planer and a joiner. But uh, to complete strangers, over the past six months, I've given away a drill press, my dust collector, and my cyclone, and a couple other things. And sometimes it's just easier, instead of me posting it on Craigslist, and mm -hmm. the back and forth with the emails, and, and people asking questions, it's just easier to give things away and you just feel better about it because like oh this tool is going to get used and and you know somebody you're just you're going to make somebody's day um but to add on to craigslist i don't know if you get a lot of these in new york city but where i am there's auctions all the time so like a lot of times people get old and they move into a nursing home or they pass away uh they're, they'll have a an auction and you can get an entire shop of tools or you can get tools really cheap. I don't know. And nope. I'm just, how do you go about finding those auctions? Uh, your newspaper, your local newspaper. Yeah. yeah um, and what's a newspaper? Tell the audience. <laughs> well, in, in the, in the, in the distant past, there was this printed piece that was an uh, archival newspaper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Jimmy, when we were in um, California last year, we were doing the talk at, at uh, maker fair and there was a kid, I remember, I don't remember his name, but there was a kid that came up and asked a question. And your response was very similar to what you said. But it was like something to the effect of, you know, go to your parents and ask them if they have any friends that you can talk to. Go to those friends and ask them if they have any tools in their garage that they're not using. And it was, you know, something to the effect of like, go to your yeah. immediate circles and just ask yeah. if anybody has anything they don't use. Because most likely, you're right, somebody has something sitting around, you know, collecting dust that they would most likely be happy to give you to get it out of their way. And, and I'll tell you, the reason I stress this is because I'm obviously a tool hoarder and I, you know, I'm more prolific visually than most people. A lot of people pay attention to the things I do. And I talk about my hobbies and I love collecting old tools. The, on maybe at least once a month, 
I get people that contact me that say, hey, I have a garage full of tools. I don't know what to do with them. Do you want to come and take a look at them? Mm. And you know, they're also looking for me to buy them. And I personally don't necessarily need much anymore. But I'm always curious to see if there's like a cool vintage tool that would look cool on video or that I, you know, something that I've always wanted. Um, you know, I'm always after old cast iron stuff. But the, uh, the point I'm making is that they all come to me and I'm like a filter. And I think to myself, somebody writes me a couple of days later and says, hey, I'm looking for a band, so I don't know where I should go. Should I buy this brand new one from this website or this brand new one from that website? And I know that this guy, logistically, it might not work out, but this family just wrote to me and said they have these things sitting around for free. So that's just, in my mind, just a cross-section of what's available in the world. You know, like I said, I'm exposed, so I'm, a, I'm like a, a beacon for people to reach out to. But <clears throat> there are so many things sitting out there. I'll give you a, for instance, I just paid $1,000 for this crescent joiner made 100 years ago. I bought it from the guy and I said, dude, I go, where did you get it from? I go, and how much did you pay for it? I said, you could be honest with me. I said, I don't care if you got it for free, you know, because some people are a little hesitant. And he goes, well, I got it for free because the family I got it from was going to throw it away. They were going to, they were going to cash it out for metal because they didn't know what to do with it. They were just going to have a scrapyard come and take it. Mm. The guy who owned it passed away. It was in the barn along with a bunch of other, other tools. And I just happened to, you know, know somebody at the right time to come and take it. He goes, I took it. I used it for a little while. He goes, now I just don't have room for it. So now I'm selling it to you. So he got it for free and he sold it to me for a thousand dollars. Got some use out of it. And like I said, it's not the type of thing you come across all that often. So when I say to myself, $1,000 is a lot of money, but you know what? I'm going to certainly make my money back on it, and I'm going to have something really cool that I'm proud of that I'm more than happy to show off in a video. So uh, another example, on the Craigslist free section, if anybody has ever seen my show called Hammered that was recorded in 2006 and seven, we have this big giant bandsaw it's from about 1920, 1930. That big giant bandsaw was given away free on Craigslist. And I just happened to refresh the page and it showed up where it wasn't there one minute before. I refreshed the page and then it was there. <laughs> oh. And I texted the guy. I, I wrote to them. I said, hey, go, hey, you got this bandsaw? And he answered right back. He goes, we just posted it 10 minutes ago. He goes, it's here. Come and take it. We don't want any money for it. We just want it out. Within like two hours of them posting that post, it was in the back of my truck. <laughs> I got it for free. And it's a bandsaw that I see now that that type of bandsaw, like Frank Hallworth's got the big giant one. It's the same exact one that Frank Hallworth uses. It might not be the same brand, but it's everything else on it is almost exactly the same. It's like a big industrial 36-inch bandsaw, same category. And they're going for $1,000. Mm-hmm. I got it totally for free because they just wanted it out of there. Because they, they, they knew they couldn't just put it on the curb. So they just posted, hey, anybody want this? Come and take it. And I'm the sucker that took it. <laughs> and right now it's in my mother's, it's in my mother's garage in storage because that's where I brought it after the show. But um, eventually it will make its way upstate. Hmm. But that's why, I mean, just a little bit of digging, a little bit of researching, a little bit of asking around. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a wealth of tools for everybody to be had. I really believe that. Another good and like I said, I, I just want to like pat the bushes and get people talking and, you know, start looking around and their family and friends. Yeah. I used to go to um, pawn shops a lot when I was in college looking for guitars, and I found some fantastic guitar deals. And it, it may be a little different because there's an army base here, and so a lot of times when people get deployed, they will just sell off all their gear, you know, all their music gear or their like golf clubs or tools or whatever. And so these pawn shops get filled up at the time that people are being deployed. So I found a lot of really good music deals here. And while I was always looking for those, I would always see tools. And at the time, I did, wasn't buying because I didn't have, you know, a place to put them or anything. Um, but I've seen a lot of really good tools there. And I think part of it is, in my case here, the deployments. But also, I think a lot of people will buy, they, like, I'm going to become a contractor. And they buy a whole bunch of tools. And then business doesn't work out. And then they got to get rid of their tools. And so they're basically brand new. And they sell them to pawn shops. Um, but you know, it's not like a diamond ring or anything. It's not something that you're actually going to get dollar for dollar value out of at a pawn shop. So if you're looking for something used, a way to get started, you know, that's actually like a decent place to go. Um, or if you see any yeah. of Jimmy's equipment at the pawn shop, let yes. Jimmy know. It <laughs> yes. will be branded yeah. with Diresta on it. <laughs> it will probably say Diresta yeah. on it. <laughs> that would just be in New York. There aren't any pawn shops in New York, unfortunately. I mean, there are a really? couple, but they don't have, like, I love going to pawn shops when I'm in, like, Midwestern cities or Southern cities because they have huge sections. It's like, you know, pistol, pistol, handgun, AK-47, 
table saw, <laughs> chop saw, sander, handgun, 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 screw gun, battery operated screw gun. So I'm always looking at the guns and the tools. It's actually really fun. <laughs> but it's um it's I, I think there are so many tools to be had out there. But if we just start asking I, I brought up a point before we got started. And when you think about the generations previous to ours, everybody's grandfather used to make stuff mm-hmm. for the most part. Everybody's grandfather was handy. Even if he's just a businessman or an insurance man, everybody used to have that little workshop in the basement that they could repair some home stuff, you know, talking about the 50s and 60s. And that isn't necessarily the case anymore. But now that there's a resurgence in all of that, a lot of homes just sit empty. You know, the basement never, you know, the grandma is old and the grandpa's dead and grandma never goes in the basement. But if you show an interest in your neighbor, you maybe you have an elderly neighbor that you help out with stuff. Hey, you got any tools you, you're willing to make room for? Oh yeah, come and take this. This has been sitting here for all this time. I don't use it anymore. I guarantee there are deals to be had if people just get over there shy, you know, inability to just break the ice with with a neighbor or a friend and yeah. just ask the right questions. It's funny, like in that scenario, um, my my life is very different because my grandfather, both my grandfathers had shops. Uh, one that's still alive still has a shop. My father had a shop, still does. And then my brother and I both have cr- kind of created our own shops because we needed our own tools. And so now, you know, you got like three generations there of people who have their own tools, who are not right. inheriting their father's tools or parents' tools. And mm-hmm. so when my grandfather does pass, those tools aren't going to need to go to my father or to me or my brother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when my dad passes, those tools aren't going to need to come down because like, I don't need two bandsaws. I don't know. Maybe I'm due. Based on Jimmy's <laughs> Jimmy's shop, but um, I got but, like eight. <laughs> but you know, like in in this case, like we have several generations worth of tools, and so those tools are going to have to go somewhere. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that works out. And I'm sure we're not like the, the you know the only family like that or anything. But there may be certain kind of family groups that have an overabundance of tools that you know need to get spread out. I just, uh, I, I, when I left Chicago, my friend, you guys met my friend Bobby for a minute. He actually went back to Louisville before I left Chicago. He texted me Monday morning and says, are you passing through Louisville on the way back? I said, no, why? He goes, and he showed me a bandsaw, a, a Powermatic bandsaw from the, from the seventies and, uh, a 12 inch, uh, circular saw, um, radial arm saw from DeWalt, mm-hmm. uh, from Delta, both of which, you know, could be a thousand dollars easily on craigslist to the right person he's like these two are taking up space in my shop taking back to new york and i said i can't do that it's not the timing's not right but you know and uh and maybe there'll be a point in time when i do retrieve those bring them back to the city and trade them out for something that i have or you know decide that i don't want them and just pass them on hmm. and i know i know in my mother's garage i have a, a everyone always asks me how come i don't have a joiner of course i just bought this big giant one but i won't be able to set that up for a little bit but in my mother's garage is my storage unit I have a six inch, actually an eight inch craftsman joiner, which was brand new when it was given to me about 10 years ago for one of the TV shows. We used it on one of the TV shows. I have an X5 Delta 12 inch radial arm saw, which is brand new. I used it twice on Hammered, the one that's in the set of Hammered. I have a Sears table saw. I have another Delta table saw, you know, the big cabinet ones, just like, you know, as big and heavy as your typical saw stop. Um... And I have that big giant bandsaw. And I have a giant, I have an 18-inch Craftsman bandsaw, which is like seven feet tall. It looks kind of like a Laguna. It's like a knockoff of Laguna. Mm. And uh, I also have a 20-inch a wide planer, which was given to me by Craftsman, which I've never used. It's never even been plugged in. It's brand new. One of these big giant ones that has like four, like two-inch diameter steel columns on all four corners. Mm. It opens up like that. That thing weighs like a thousand pounds. So I have all these tools and once I go into my mother's garage and sort them out and, you know, maybe get them set up for a new shop, I'm definitely going to have some things I'm going to give away in the spring and during the summer. Nice. You know, so they're just sitting there, but that's, I mean, that's me. But like I said, if, you know, if, if I wasn't no longer around all that stuff, my mother would have to just open the garage and say, who wants this stuff? Take it. Right. And you know, that happens constantly. That happens every single day. You know, craftsmen, craftsmen are, you know, becoming deceased and their tools just sit there. Yeah. I mean, like my lathe is from when I first started doing YouTube videos, um, a friend of a friend said, Hey, this, uh, girl I work with, her father just passed away. Suddenly he was a woodworker, cabinet maker. He has two shops at his house, two separate buildings that are shops. 
and she has to get rid of all of it to pay for his funeral. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> well, wow. what can I do? You know, I mean, like, I don't have that much money, but I can come try to help. And uh, otherwise, she would have just given it all away, but she actually needed the money, you know, just to cover the cost of things. And so yeah. I got my lathe from her, uh, and I got a truckload of hardwood, stuff that he had just kind of stockpiled over his lifetime of, Mm -hmm. and she was like a hundred bucks, fill up your trunk with as much as you can possibly fit in there. And it was all sorts of stuff, you know, in that case. And it was like, you know, of course I was getting a fantastic deal, but I was also helping her out in a way, clearing out this huge amount of stuff. I mean, you guys would have gone nuts if you had seen how much stuff was (laughs) in there. Um, But, you know, we had to like kind of tear apart half the shop to get the lathe out because it was covered by all this other stuff. And, um, but so that happens just, on a regular basis. You reminded me of a story, which I completely forgot about, even in the context of what we're talking about. My sister contacted me and she said, my neighbor's father passed away and he lives in this other neighborhood in Long Island. She said she knows your YouTube videos and she wants you to have everything that her father once owned because she wants it to go to somebody that's going to use it. Hmm. So I met my dad there and I took the few things that she's like, I don't want any money. I just got I got to sell the house and all these things have to be gone. So I took a couple things. I took the Walker Turner uh, drill press. I brought it upstate to my machine shop upstate. upstate. And uh, I took a lot of small hand tools and, and these type of things. I like these kind of old used hand tools that kind of, I like being able to use somebody's square that they once used. It just seems like it has like a, a certain sort of like good spirit to it. So I like using used hand tools. So I took a lot of his hand tools, but the bigger machines like a radial arm sore and, and uh, what are those, those shopsmith things? I hate those things that turn into like seven things. He had one of those and uh, a couple of other things, sanding station, biscuit joiner station, all kinds of really cool things. My dad took them all and gave them away to his friends in and around his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But the woman just wanted all of this out. She's like, look, if you guys can't take it, just make sure somebody who's going to use it gets it. That's all I care about. Because she's like, I just don't want to see them get thrown away. Or, you know, sold by somebody that has no interest in them. I just want them to go into somebody's hands that that will appreciate them. Mm. And that was like, imagine someone coming into my shop and just taking everything. That's what you, it was kind of like this guy's personal shop. All his little projects were there. He was in his 90s when he passed away. And he hadn't been using the shop for a couple of years prior to that. But like I said, we just went into all this guy's little knickknacks. Is like, you know, I know the weird little habits I have with my, you know, sorting my tools out. And I could just see how obsessive this guy was. But his daughter said, I just want somebody to have them that's going to use them. And, you know, she didn't want a dime. Now, if you're on the other side of that and you have, like, say, in my case, when my grandfather passes away, say I inherit a bunch of his tools that I can't use. You know, um, let's think of some good ideas to give people to where to, to put that stuff. You can obviously, you know, put it out on Craigslist and say free tools or whatever. But yeah, I think another good option would be track down some schools, find some shop yeah. classes that are under you know, under budgeted that don't have what Absolutely. they need. Absolutely. It's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, reach out to like, uh, you know, we, there's obviously all, the, all of our groups that, you know, we, our, our personal, you know, circle of friends, each one of us have our own personal groups. And then, then the community at large, you know, the Facebook page, um, Twitter, you know, a lot of people tweet, you know, us three together as a group, uh, you know, sometimes I'm included with, uh, with, with Steve Ramsey and Frank Hallworth, you know, so if anybody ever wanted to get rid of that stuff, just tweet, us as a group, and then we can get the word out in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that we would want the stuff, but you know, to to be able to tweet it out to people in need. I think it's you know, I think it's a really important thing that we should try and get people. I don't even know. I, I was calling a giveaway a tool. I forget what I hashtagged it, but the idea of just dormant tools just sitting around and no one's using them is just sad to know that when somebody needs tools, yeah. they're like looking to buy them, and they could just. With the, you know, there's all these misconnections. That's really what it's all about. Like misconnections. It's like someone's got a shop full of tools they absolutely don't need. And somebody has an empty shop and they need the tools. Uh, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, a friend of mine on, uh, on, on Twitter. I don't want to say his name in case he doesn't want to be mentioned, but he's got uh, an upcoming project uh, and he contacted me and I gave my email and we've been talking directly and texting directly. We call it the ghost machine shop. He got a job to rebuild this garage. The short story is, and I'm sure it's, I'm leaving out a lot of facts. 30 years ago, a machinist passed away. His wife just locked his garage and never opened it again. Mm. And the roof caved in. And so all the machines are rusty. But you have bridge ports, surface grinders, all different kinds of lathes. The guy made guns and rifles. 
It's a guy from, he made guns and rifles from scratch, which is amazing. Wow. So there's a, an entire garage machine shop that has been sat unused for 30 years. And now most of the machines are probably unsalvageable considering they've been rained on for so long. But now it's his job to get rid of them. And he's, his, his, uh, you know, the people in business with him said they were thinking about just having a dumpster come, fill up the whole dumpster with them, just have them scrapped to a metal yard. But from the pictures he showed me, a couple of the machines are still good and salvageable. I mean, everything's still good. I mean, anything could be re brought back to life with the, the right amount of heart and energy. But um, so he, we're going to meet up eventually and take a look at them. And I'm either going to like, you know, reach out to the community to figure out somebody wants them locally, or, you know, maybe we'll figure out what to do with them so they don't just get put into a, a recycling plant. Mm. But, and that's another thing I say all the time, reach out to your local recycling plant. Cause my friend Kai all the time is sending me pictures of band saws and table saws that end oh, up wow. at the recycling plant. And he, he, get, he sent me a picture. I wish I had room for it. It's still sitting there. Every time I tell you, he's like, it's sitting there waiting for you. <laughs> it's a big, giant, a do-all bandsaw, like, but a modern one made probably in the last 20 years. A, a bandsaw that probably costs $5,000. It's just sitting there. He's like, nobody, the guy brought it and we, we paid him for it or whatever it weighs in metal. And he goes, the, the, nobody has the heart to take it to the recycling, you know, to send it to China or whatever the next step is. So these things sit in the yard because they know they're good tools. And if the right guy like me comes along one day and says, I want that, how much? And they just sell it to you for the weight of it costs in metal because that's how much they've paid for it. Maybe a little bit upcharge. Huh. So that's another good place to go and looking for big industrial machines. Because here in Brooklyn, when you have to get out of a space, you have to get out of the space. There's no like fire sale. Oh, wait till the last machine sold. It goes in a recycling truck and gets dumped off at the metal recycler, Brooklyn. Huh. I've tip. never even thought about that as an option. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So... So, like I said, Kai is always sending me cool pictures of things. If I had more space and, you know, covered space, I probably would have taken almost everything he showed me so far. I cannot imagine what it would look like if you had um, maybe about <laughs> 10,000 covered square feet somewhere. Oh, it would just be rows and rows of machines. Like I just got goosebumps. You would just... <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's like a goldfish. Like, no, like, it grows to the size of his container, his aquarium. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I can just imagine you just having so much, so many machines and so much space, and then you'd be like, I don't have enough power to power them all. You know? Oh, did you guys take a look when Frank Hallworth talks about that crazy drum sander he bought? Did you guys happen to see that video? He got this crazy drum yeah, sander. Yeah. It's like it looks like a like a, a planer, like similar to the one that he has and the one I just got. And he goes, Oh, I got it from my friend's shop. And he talks about his friend's shop, and they show him picking it up at his friend's shop. His friend's shop is this like giant barn just filled with tools, like giant antique machines. And every one of them seems like they're, they're like up to, to speed, ready to go, hmm. you know, to be used. So I saw that. I was like, oh man, that's the dream right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so That or just hanging out in Frank's shop, that would be a dream as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so for another thing that about tools just in general, I get, and I'm sure you guys get this too, the most common email I get from people is like, I want to get started. I don't know what to get. Like, I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of money. What are the basic tools that I can get? And here's my response. And I'd like to hear if you guys have a different opinion about this. So I tell people that um, a circular saw, a drill, and a sander are basically all the tools boiled down to their simplest possible, you know, electric versions. And so if you start with those three things, you could pretty much eventually make anything you want to. Um, so I always tell people to start with those three things. Do you have a, a, mm -hmm. a different opinion or something else you would add to that, like minimal list? I always respond with, what do you want to make? You have to have a project mm -hmm. first before you can buy tools. So it's mm -hmm. like if you're going to make out an outdoor bench or a planner, you probably just need a circular saw, square, and and a sander. Um, yeah. But if, you, if, you, if you're going to make... A bed or a, a corner cabinet or whatever, maybe you need a table saw. It really depends on what you want to make. So I always say come up with a project first, buy the tools you need to make that project, and then your next project's probably going to be a little bit bigger, a little bit more complicated. Buy the tools you need to make that, and then eventually you'll have a full yeah. shop. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I, every time I grab one of my tools, I think of, you know, even the ones that I've gotten for the very first time. And I'm a little OCD. I put dates on. I used to do it more often, but I would put a date on stuff so that when I grab it, I remember, oh, I bought this 
this date. Hmm. And uh, everybody always comments about my handheld jigsaw that I use. And I remember I needed a jigsaw because this project I was going to do is a free forming project. So I went downtown and I bought a jigsaw that was like 20, like 22 years ago. I bought it here in Manhattan. And that's my porter cable, the one I use most often in some of my videos. I love that jigsaw. But um, Bob hates his. I think. I hate my <laughs> worst well, most jigsaws. Ever. Most jigsaws are horrible. I mean, to do to use a jigsaw as a project is, is they're really just to kind of, in my opinion, to like rough out something. Like a jigsaw is perfect if you're going to cut out a piece of plywood and then wrap it with upholstery. It's perfect for that. Hmm. You know, for as far as a, a fine cut goes, you're going to have to do the jigsaw cut and then clean up, clean up the cut. Or, you know, I use the jigsaw a lot for like roughing out plywood that is going to eventually be uh, pattern bitted, you know, so I could screw the patterns and use a pattern bit on a router. No, so I put dates on tools just to see. <laughs> Actually, it's it, I put dates on tools also just to see how long they last. Because it, it'll be like, oh, this okay, this screw gun lasted me five years or this lasted me. And I mean, most of my tools still have dates on them are still working, the ones that I've dated. But that's just a little OCD thing. Maybe I revealed too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, actually, that's a, this relatively unrelated. But can I tell you the thing that I found today or the last couple of days that all of a sudden is changing a lot for me? Silver Sharpies. I love them. I, for, I don't know why I've never had a silver Sharpie before. I've never had I one. write with a whiteout pen. I just literally write with a whiteout pen on. That's how I usually date most stuff. I just write with a whiteout pen as if it's a marker. Yeah. And silver Sharpies are great. That's a good idea too. I picked them up somewhere. I don't even remember why, but I picked up like a two pack of them. And so it's been sitting on my desk and now I've been uh, doing all these electronics, wrapping things with like blue tape. So I remember what wire is what. And of course you can't write it with a black marker on blue tape because you can't really read it. So I'm like, hey, silver. And then as soon as mm-hmm. I start writing with silver, I'm like, wait, this silver works on just about any surface. You can mm-hmm. see it on white. You can see it on every mm-hmm. color. So now everything I own is going to have silver Sharpie on it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but anyway, it it's just weird. Something so simple as that is actually like changing the way I'm thinking about like, you know, put, not necessarily putting dates on things, but. Is wait. that why it says chair on the back of your chair? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> It says shirt right says here on my headphone. shirt. Yeah. It says headphones on your headphones. It, you can't see you, but on my monitor, I wrote Jimmy right above your... Uh, oh. <laughs> right above my- You're doing it wrong. Yeah, I'm doing it wrong. i got to buy a new monitor tomorrow. Anyway, um, cool. You guys got anything else to talk about on with tools and stuff? Did I totally no, derail I- it with the Sharpie? No, no, no. I love it. You know what? I, I started using two just recently, and somebody was in my shop, had no idea. I can't remember. Maybe it was Ryan. I use these Stabilo pencils that write on everything. I don't know. I wish I knew exactly what they were called, but Stabilo is like a famous pencil maker. They make these wax pencils in all colors that write on glass, metal, wood, plastic. They write on everything. And uh, they look, they're just the same shape as a regular number two pencil. They don't have an eraser on them, but they come in color. So if it's the pencil's red, they write red. If they're basically China markers that you pencil, excuse me, they're China markers that you sharpen in a pencil sharpener. You know the china markers that you tear the paper off yeah. and the tip always breaks off with the last piece of paper that are a pain in the butt? These are basically regular pencils with china marker lead inside. And I've been using them for years. I learned about them from the sign shops I worked at in high school. They always had them because you could write on glass and plastic and everything and metal. I think you're both doing it wrong. I just I got my grandfather's Dymo label maker, the old plastic thing that presses the letters. And <laughs> I just been labeling chunk. everything with it, yeah. I got those oh, too. Good. I mean, I've actually started using one of those for a lot of my containers. I'm trying to get more organized with my like small bits that I have a bunch of, you know? Mm-hmm. So I use the label maker a lot. I bought recently a whole bunch of plastic um, shoe boxes, which are a really good size. It's like not too big of a plastic container, but they're stackable and, you know, small enough to be like lightweight and stuff. So you buy them at packs of 10. So I've bought a bunch of those, labeled the front of them, and then I just fill them up with LEDs or with, you know, something I have a whole bunch of. So I'm trying to get my office into shape. Money. You get a whole yeah, bunch fill of them money. up with money. Yeah. Like well, I have like 10 of them <laughs> full of pennies. It's like <laughs> there's got to be at least like $15 in there. It's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, my, just, to, just to beat a dead horse, um, I'm going to put it out there to everybody that listens to ask their friends and family and girlfriends, families and wives, families to find out who's got a basement full of tools that are just sitting there and like tweet out. I mean, I don't know if we can come up with a hashtag. All right. I guess it might happen organically. I'm going to Go release a tool on Friday. I'm going to, whatever hashtag we come up with, I'm, I'm going to give away a tool. Me too. Yeah. I got one. I call it giveaway. I think I called it giveaway a tool. I honestly can't remember. I can dig into my Instagram and remember it, but 
the idea of just this like national tool exchange where people like, let's start a website, national tool exchange, where people just say, hey, I need a drill. Oh, there's a drill available in Ohio, in Toledo, you know, as, as a, like, as like free Craigslist, just the whole website is free Craigslist, but I don't know if anybody's willing to do that, but let's, let's, how about, let's figure out the hashtag. How about hashtag free tools? All right. Free tools. Free tools. Uh, that's it. All right. There we that go. That works. Got it. Hashtag free tools. And then you say hashtag free tools, drill press in South Bend, Indiana. Someone reach out to me. First one reach out gets it. Nice. That kind of thing. So to avoid a stampede. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we'll get that started, and everybody do what Jimmy just said. Yes. Do it. I mean, you know, do it, do I it. think I think there's something there. Yeah, yeah I think so. I I just know. Like I said, sometimes on Craigslist, if you're lucky, the same thing will be in the free section. Will be thousand dollars in the tool section. Huh. It's just a matter of checking everything at the same time. Not on my Craigslist. <laughs> Sorry, we've talked about that before. Actually, you know, it's funny because I, I talked about that last time, and then our friend about, about if you missed that one, Savannah's Craigslist is awful. There's nothing ever here. I haven't been able to find a porta band. And the day after we posted that show, our friend Brian sent us sent me a link to a Dewalt porta band in Savannah for ninety dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and you were and you, you know, were you in are Chicago. spelling it right? And I was in Chicago. Yes. Porta P O R Porta. Band. Yeah, apparently I was spelling it wrong. No, I wasn't. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep giving Craigslist a try. See if I can find something. But and check other cities. And there's also there used to be a website. It changed a little bit. I don't know why what happened, but it, it, I know there's incarnations of it called All of Craigslist. Oh. Huh. So if you go to All of Craigslist, you could select all the various different cities you wanted to check, or All of Craigslist, and it'll say. This is available in Tucson. This is available here. You know, whatever you type in, it'll tell you all the different cities it's available in. Nice. Andy? Yep. Cool. Well, um, before we talk about what we're watching, I want to say thanks to uh, Luis Gonzalez and Jeremy White from Patreon and everybody else from Patreon. Of course, we are uh, really grateful. We were actually doing some tax stuff, which is totally boring, but we were looking at the amount of money that has come in through Patreon over the last year, and it was kind of mind-blowing how much support we've had from you guys. Um, Billions. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, maybe you got a different email than I did. <laughs> oh, never mind. That was my own. Yeah. No, no. Um, but seriously, I mean, it was really, it was kind of heartwarming to see how much support we've had over the last year. Um, so nice. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome people. So, thank you for that, guys. Yes. And uh, if you want to help, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. You can also leave us a, a review and a rating on iTunes. That helps us get up. There's a lot of podcasts now mm-hmm. worldwide, but also within our, you know, kind of area, the stuff, the, the communities that we're in. And Making It Podcast. Don't forget that one. Yeah. It's called Making It. That's the name of the show. <laughs> um, and, you know, of course, we don't want to compete with the other podcasts, but if you want to see us get in front of more ears, uh, leaving uh, reviews and ratings and stuff is a good way to help that happen. So, what are we watching? I haven't been watching anything new. I'll go ahead and say that, but I'll let you guys go ahead. <laughs> so, I haven't been watching anything either because of travel time, but I listened to a fantastic audiobook on the way to Chicago. So, it is a four-hour drive from Toledo to Chicago, and this book, if you get the audio version, is four hours. It's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing, and... This might go down as one of the books that changes my life. Like anytime, like I finish a book and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to reread that as soon as I can. I know that that's going to be one that's going to change my habits. And uh, it's, it's all about, uh, like the title says, decluttering and tidying up. It's, and it has to do with like your house, but I'm going to try to apply this not only to my house, but to my shop. And, the quick rundown of it is getting before you even start organizing or tidying up or cleaning is getting rid of the stuff you don't want. And the author, she talks about like when you pick something up and hold it, does it spark joy? If it, the answer is no, <laughs> you need to get rid of it. And and it goes like you'll, you you might have birthday cards from your family members. Why are you holding on to birthday cards? I just threw away a bunch of birthday yeah. cards a couple mm. hours ago. And, uh, and it <laughs> talks about... And there's very specific things in there, like how to get rid of photos. So I just went through a whole bunch and I got rid of a bunch of old photos. Because what happens is when you pass away and you have this huge box of photos, 
up until 2005 when we stopped taking and printing <laughs> photos that uh, when you pass away, somebody else is going to get left with this crap and not know what to do with it. So just yeah. take care of yourself. So after you get rid of the things that don't spark joy, then it's all about tidying up one time for the rest of your life. And then you get into habits of always putting things back where they belong. And that means every single thing in your house has to have a home. It has an exact home. And you don't buy anything until you have a home for that thing. It's a really, really good book. It's nice and short, and it could change your life. Spoiler alert, you just gave away the book. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. You might be able to get some of that just by reading the back of the book. So, But it's, it's, it's really good. That's great. I really, I've been going through that myself. I have so many things I need to throw away. Um, I drove home from Chicago and we, we took an extra day. So I spent an extra day in Chicago because I didn't want to come back to New York and be in the middle of the snow cleanup. So uh, we left Chicago. Oh, sounds like there's some police activity outside my apartment. Um, we left Chicago and Taylor pulled up on Netflix, the first episode of Fargo from season one. And 10 hours later, we went through the whole season. We literally watched <laughs> wow. driving the car 10, I think it's, I think it's, I don't even know if it's 10 episodes or, or 11 or 12 episodes. We watched the entire season of Fargo driving from Chicago to New York and, you know, with a little bit of breaks in between. But I got so intrigued by the uh, script. I really, really enjoyed it. The script takes so many twists and turns. It's just bizarre. Hmm. Crazy. So I highly recommend seeing the first season of Fargo. I don't know if the second season's not on Hulu yet, so but eventually it will be. Nice. That's it. Awesome. Fargo. Watch it in your car. <laughs> While you're driving. While you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> feel feel free to email Jimmy all your complaints at <laughs> I don't care at jimmydressed.com. Yeah. <clears throat> Make sure you hold the phone up to your face while you're driving. You know, like you just put your left hand on the steering wheel and your right hand actually holds the phone so you can look at it. <laughs> yeah, right up next to your eyes in Google Yeah, Cardboard. make sure all the state troopers watch you watching. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was getting busted. I'm driving. I'm like, oh, there's a guy driving next to me. I wonder if he's a state trooper. And I'm like, oh, it's a state trooper. He's watching me watch Fargo. <laughs> Get prepared to be pulled oh, over. Man. And he didn't pull me over, thankfully. He must have been a fan of Fargo. <laughs> I, I guess or so. Because I looked at him and I was like... It's episode three. It's really getting good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, um, I have a single video that actually is new to me and then a channel. Um, So this video somebody sent to you, David, but I hijacked the conversation. Um, It's this guy named Robbie Cuthbert. Oh, yeah. And the video is about how he makes these. It's it's called Making Tension-Based Furniture. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. Yeah. It's You just have to see it. He makes... Pieces of furniture made out of pieces of wood that don't touch, but they're bound together by these tensioned wires. It's pretty wild. And he looks like a pretty young guy, but he seems to have a really good grasp on how this works. And I don't know if he came up with all this stuff himself, but anyway, it's it's really cool. I'll put a link to that. Um, but the channel is a relatively small channel, but somebody I've been watching for a long time, Winston Moy. You guys familiar with Winston? Mm-hmm. He's a... He's an engineer of some sort. I'm not actually sure what he does for a day job. But um, so I've watched his videos for a long time. But this last one that he put out, he actually uh, made some really awesome improvements on my coaster video that I put out a couple of months ago or something with the magnets on the side so that they lock together. And he used spherical magnets so you can put them together in any orientation. And he embedded them on the inside of the wood. It was a really cool uh, improvement to mine and to see that but it, i always enjoy his videos because he does um, a lot of cnc based projects and he's a, an engineer like you just listening to him talk you can tell he's he's very engineering minded and uh so he has a different approach to how he puts things together and how he thinks about projects than i do and some other people do so winston moy i just subscribed to him looks like good stuff yeah it is and they're well-made videos like he does a good job with them so, uh, yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Unless you guys got anything else. Oh, you know who? Uh, we met him and hung out with him this week. The engineering guy. Yeah. 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 We mentioned him earlier. Um, yeah. But I just like I meant to mention that. Did I mention it before we started talking or after how I watched so many of his videos in a row? Did yeah, I mention yeah, that already? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Yeah. They're, um, yeah. They're, they're really good. 
They're really good. And it's, they're things that for, you know, if you haven't seen them, they're things that don't sound terribly interesting in the beginning, mm-hmm. but he's like, does such a good job of explaining how a soda can is made or how a Nerf yep. gun works. Just like, and you know, it's funny. I noticed a lot of his comments are like, I came into this thinking I would not have any interest whatsoever. And now here it is 12 minutes later and I'm thoroughly educated. So thank you. Yeah. That's what a lot of the notice, a lot of his comments are. I love yeah. that. That would be, that would be a cool comment to get. Yeah. Yes encouraging cool well that's it for this week i guess uh thanks for listening everybody thank you see you next time later bye guys thank you love you still